1: Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess.
0: Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. Today, we're coming to you live from Two Guys, right above Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire. And we are going to talk about dog industry burnout. We First, we're going to do dog trainer burnout, but we're going to just compile the whole dog industry and I was going to do podcast about... burnout. <laughs> Scott, <laughs> Scott barely got on for this podcast. He was sitting in Dave's office smoking a cigar. Chrissy I'm almost the, I, had to step in. I think in. I'm
1: the antithesis of burnout.
0: Yeah, well, you I'm are much happier than you used to be. All right, first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day.
1: Hang on. That's my cue. Okay.
0: Good job. Uh, My quirky tip of the day is if you give your dog any type of psychiatric medication, so we're talking Prozac, Annex, everything else. You guys know that we're not not super pro-med here. I would not give your dog magic mushrooms as an FYI. If you do this, I have heard from a ton of clients over the years that are like, oh, yeah, I tried that. It didn't work. We took the dog off of it. Please talk to your veterinarian about weaning your dog off of these medications. There should be a specific protocol, much like there was when you maybe chose to put your dog on these medications, just like there is with people. So the quirky tip of the day is if you are going to be weaning off of any psychiatric, psychotropic, whatever medications with your dog, please do that with the guidance of your vet. There is actually a protocol there and it's not just a, oh, we're not giving this the next day. It's over.
1: I always went cold turkey.
0: Yeah, you probably should have been medicated on more (laughs) things than you have been in the past. Okay, so we're going to talk about burnout. This is something that's very common in the dog trainer industry, but this can extend to grooming, um, you know, shops, daycares. Obviously, the vet industry has a lot of trouble with mental health, and it can be very strenuous. They're working with more than just dogs, even dog walkers. So we have gone through periods of time, I would say at least a pretty large chunk of a period, where we're both pretty burnt out on the whole thing. Do you agree?
1: Well, when we had the kennel, uh, when, <laughs> when it, we, we moved into the kennel, <laughs> seven, it got to be a bit much. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And we had kind of planned on like backing off of in-person dog training at that point. So it was kind of like, oh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. We won't have to do this anymore. And yeah, I would say that was when we were most, the, the we were both the most burnt out we had been. And what does burnout look like? I mean, you can kind of, you know, compare it to depression, but it's basically, you know, your frustration tolerance is lower. You're not as motivated to be doing things, you know, within the industry. Maybe you're sleeping more often. It's just your, your overall motivation towards mm. This like joy that you used to find in your work is just kind of squashed and you're burnt out for the lack of a better way to describe it.
1: Yeah. You're not finding joy in your work. Yeah. That's the main thing. So
0: what do we do now? What are some like key tips that we do now that we lean into to stay fresh? I mean, Scott and I still do a lot of dogs. We have At least we have over 100 clients every single year. We do a ton of board and train still. We do a lot of dogs. We deal with the public a lot. We're still very much in the rigor of this industry. So what are some tips that you specifically have that help you?
1: Well, what I do is I like to keep in touch with clients that are doing well, that we've really made a big difference in their lives. They're very appreciative. They're enjoying their dog now that we've done some training. And the dog has responded well. So it's nice to hear good things. And we, you know, I just like to keep in touch with positive people, yeah. especially my clients. <laughs> that
0: is true. He will say, like, I'm going to text so and so and see how it's going if he's a little bit down and out. And this is something that I was thinking that could extend to all industries as well. Like, if you're a groomer and you feel like, oh my gosh, you know, every single client's difficult, every dog is a pain in the ass to deal with, everything start to lean into your clients that you really enjoy. This little tidbit that you got of like, hey, thanks. The dog looks great today. When you're getting this sort of feedback, it doesn't necessarily have to be for a public forum, but you know, save it in your photos on your phone so you can refer back to it to kind of recall these you know, highlights and these you know, joys of our career. I'll totally agree with that one. What else do you do?
1: Well, we both of us do volunteer work on a weekly basis at a local food pantry, and I think getting outside of ourselves and outside of our industry and helping other people or trying to help other people is a good thing. For it, it get, keeps me humble and appreciative of what I do have, yeah. as little as that may yeah, be. Yeah, that at is times. a good one.
0: So leaning into your community more so. So one of the questions that I phrased for this episode is, where can you look for support if you're experiencing burnout? And what I wrote in my notes is I wouldn't look to other industry professionals. Like it's funny when Scott and I have ever had like lulls in our career or motivation surrounding our career or something else. We talk to other people in the industry and it just kind of turns into a bitch fest. It seems like everybody's like, Oh my God, I was dealing with this person the other day and you know, this dog has diarrhea and it's just, you know, we just all kind of commiserate together. So when you are looking for support, looking out to the community is a great one. And yeah, we are like hardcore. We love volunteering a few weeks now they had too many volunteers and you know <laughs> the director of volunteers was like you know you guys can just grab breakfast or take the gym off and Scott and I like aren't as good in our mental health when we don't go and volunteer on Tuesdays so yes that's totally a good one to look for support and to look for community outside of the dog training industry love it very well good. I'm
1: definitely you said going to the gym I think you threw in there at one point or no I didn't
0: say it but it is on my list
1: I like to go to the gym at least uh you know five or six days a week and that's a good um outlet for me. My, I don't really feel the burnout in, in what I do for a living, uh, but I know in this industry it's terrible. And one of the reasons I was thinking that I don't have the burnout that many other professionals do is not because I'm handling it better, but as a dog trainer, my relationships, our relationships with the dogs and the owners is a short-term relationship. It could be four classes. It could be Uh, you know a period of months but it's not like a groomer or a daycare that just you go to work and there's like 50 dogs or 75 dogs there every day day in day out quite often understaffed you could be in in this daycare situation that is actually kind of dangerous for you you could be a you know a young woman typically that is trying to deal with 50 dogs new dogs coming in trying to break up fights, trying to avoid dogs from fighting. It's a very, can be a very stressful situation. And um, those are the ones I think that can be a lot more, or if you're working in a rescue situation where you you have all these dogs that need homes and there's just that, it just never ends. It's like this just wave after wave of dogs coming. And then you feel like, Am I really making a difference? You know, I don't feel like I'm making a difference. Yeah, and And that's that's part of it. And I'll give you that we have
0: kind of short-term clients, but we still have people now that, you know, we've known for 10 years that, you know, come back for boarding and everything else. So if these people are in a situation, the daycare example was a great example. So you have 50 dogs, probably 20 of those dogs and owners that walk in every single morning, you legit cannot stand. So, let's give some advice for that situation. How do people deal with burnout when they're living in that day to day?
1: Well, if you're an employee in that situation i would I would look for new work
0: 100%. I would find
1: another job you know I mean, if I owned the daycare, I would start calling clients. I yeah. would start working through and getting rid of clients that make your life worse, not better uh, life's too short, and uh your obligation is not to. Deal with a bunch of obnoxious people just because you have this business that you have. You
0: yeah, know? 100%. And I even mentioned this in relation to, you know, difficult grooming clients and everything else. We do not list our prices on our website for a variety of reasons, but mostly because. Sometimes the price is a little bit higher. If it's a really difficult dog or a super aggressive dog, or the owner isn't maybe as on board as some of our other clients, that person is going to get another price in their contract. The same thing can go for a daycare situation or a grooming situation, right? So you can literally, if you are a groomer and you have a doodle that is very difficult to groom, our specific doodle, he's like 15. He has this like Rastafarian coat, we call it. Like it's like literally dreadlocks. And I have gone to three different groomers that just give them a puppy cut, they still charge me $100, and they basically just shave it off. There are a few groomers who I really enjoy, who I really lean into, shout out to Brittany St. Ahmad, she was on our podcast with Havoc, she is one of them, that will take the time to groom him and brush through his coat and everything else. If I go longer than six weeks, it's going to be more of a pain in the butt for her. So if you have a client like this with a dog that's super difficult, and the client would prefer not to pay every month, you can say, the price will be $90 if we do it within a month. If it goes beyond two months, the price is 120 If it goes beyond three months, start charging accordingly. Same thing with the daycare. That's a great idea about calling clients. Have a once-over. You can either raise prices all across the board, see who stays, see who doesn't, Or you can have new policies with, you know, your dog does not comply to what we want as a behavioral standard in this daycare. And, you know, your dog is no longer welcome here. And sometimes that's a hard conversation to have. And sometimes people get fearful like, oh, how will I sustain my business and everything else? The day-to-day chronic stress is not worth, you know, having this dog in your possession for another two to five years and maybe having something really dangerous happen where other dogs are injured or worse, even people.
1: Yeah, the biggest fear I think that businesses have these days is negative reviews and then being attacked on social media and all that kind of stuff, which can legitimately damage a business's livelihood. It can really wipe people out. So you have that fear. You're trying to keep everybody happy, and you're trying to put out a good service and a good product. And um, it can be tough. And all of that can add to the burnout. Yeah, and even the
0: negative reviews. I mean, if you're just operating based on oh my gosh I don't want a bad review and I don't want to you know you know hurt this person's feelings or anything else I mean Scott has said on more than one occasion at uh he has gone to the house for 147 you know within an hour of us and he said like oh I, you know I just I'm going to refund your money I just don't think this is you know the Not path that fit. you're ready to go down yeah like I mean we, he 100% is very quick to turn money back over to the person that paid him, you know, and just cut the deal off right then and there. And it's not like you get a lot of fallout from that. A lot of times people like honesty. And it's very easy if you get a negative review to go and to eloquently respond and to, you know, be a professional and say how you feel. And also your clients that love you, make sure that they're giving you good reviews. So the whole negative review and being fearful of that, yes, in this day and age, it can happen. But, it's happening less and less because these, you know, basic like campaign business smears that used to be happening, where everyone just attacks you, kind of aren't able to happen as much from an ethical perspective. The roofer even sued someone recently, didn't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, but well, that's another another issue um, that gets away from the burnout. I would say. Well, you were the another, one that
0: brought up negative reviews.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, the other thing I was thinking about with burnout is uh, that can happen is if you're just very. You you have a younger business, you're trying to build a business, you're very enthusiastic about it, and you make yourself too available mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. so you need the money, you want to build the business, you want to get things off the ground, you have overhead, you have debt and And I've done it many years where I've worked seven days a week, and it's not that I'm working; it sounds like, wow, you know it's not like if you have a job and you punch in, seven days a week can add up to seventy five hours a week it's not like i'm working those kind of hours but i'm always available so there's people in my industry in the dog training world that typically can it's easier for them to see me after work hours from five o'clock five p.m on or weekends so there are other people i see that i can see during the week during the you know they're retired or they work from home but i make myself available so those people they say i can only do weekends no problem i'm there for the weekend But it turns into a seven-day work week where I'm always available, which leaves no life for us, no personal life to speak of, and it's easy to justify that saying, "Well, I don't have money to be doing vacations anyway. I need to work." But that can get into a real rut where you're just going week after week of yeah, hundred percent. And when we
0: had our facility, we took Sundays off. We didn't even do drop-offs, pickups on Sundays. That was a hard rule. So yeah, strong boundaries with time is a good one.
1: I still work uh, that seven-day-a-week type of thing, but I don't do any standing appointments with people. I really go out of my way to avoid if people say, I want to do every Saturday at 1, and I tell them, oh, well, I'll do next Saturday, and next Saturday we'll set up for the next one because especially getting into the summer months, or it can even be in the in the winter, people want, all of a sudden they'll get this opportunity to go on a ski trip. So now they just call you Friday night and say, oh, we're going to be gone this weekend. We need to cancel tomorrow. Or they want to go boating in the summer. Well, if I do those standing appointments, I can't do anything for the whole summer because we're only talking about eight weeks of summer, you know?
0: Or Scott's built his whole day around us. Yeah, I part got of these the people Shore to go and, see. Yeah.
1: and I, So I can't go to do some family event or we can't go to a concert in the afternoon or something because I have these things that are there. And then they cancel on me because... They want to go do the fun stuff, so they just say, "Well, we we can't. We're not doing our dog." Yeah, this week. strong
0: strong boundaries on time and no standing appointments is a good one. Okay, yeah. let's go to break super quick, and when we get back, we'll unhash this a little bit more.
1: Want to keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast, like me and Murphy here? Then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and
0: subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to the madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then keep it quirky. Okay, so Scott mentioned not making yourself too available. And that goes for every industry, whether you're a groomer, you're a dog walker, you're a daycare employee, you're a dog trainer, you know, you need to definitely have some time off. And that is a good one. Another one I would say is make sure that you look at some hard rules that you have for your business. So One thing that Scott and I definitely make as like an intrinsic rule of how we function within dog training is we cannot care more than the client. So especially if we're doing board and trains, like we have these dogs in our home, these dogs basically become our family. We care greatly about the dog and its well-being and everything else, and we want it to be as harmonious as possible when that dog reunites with its owners and lives in its original home. If we are finding ourselves texting more often than them, figuring out, you know, asking how things are, and we just see more invested than the owner, that is a huge red flag for us that we need to back off and we need to remove ourselves from that emotionally. I think that that's a newer one that we've implemented that seems to work pretty well for us.
1: Yeah. And now that we're doing um, less volume, it's just everything is much easier. But when we were doing the volume where we had the, the kennel, we would get dogs that would come in for boarding and training that. Would come in with an ear infection. They'd come in with a rotten tooth in their head. They'd come in with some type of physical problem that we weren't we didn't know about. Maybe it wasn't there in the evaluation. For whatever reason, now we're really keeping an eye on this dog because we want them to go home in, you know, as healthy a state as possible. We certainly don't want them to go home in any worse than the way they came in. And then we wound up calling them and having to bring their dog to the vet and getting their dog all healthy and that kind of stuff could, could really burn us yeah, out, you yeah. know?
0: So make sure that the clients you're dealing with are well enough to be dealt with, for one. And then also that you're you're not investing more than they are. Like, they well, are that, not, at the end of the day, your personal dogs. You cannot create that and bring that on as your own responsibility. it goes back to
1: us caring more than them, yeah. in some ways, where they're not even...
0: even Knowing these things had happened.
1: Or they, the dog has an ear infection, but they're going on vacation. They don't have time to go to the vet, so they're just like, I'll bring them to the... To the boarding and whatever. And they'll deal with it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, and create hard rules for your own business. We don't have that many. I mean, Scott and I function pretty loosely in general, but I mean, literally... Make sure that you have some things that, like you're like, okay, this is no longer what I'm going to do. For instance, if you're a groomer and muzzling certain dogs are hard, the new rule could be that the owner must muzzle the dog before they come in to be groomed, or you're not going to groom the dog. Like, just have some things that are going to make your life easier. Implement some new things. We're halfway through 2023. You can make a list of what you want 2024 to look like, or even what you're going to start the, you know, following six months of this year. How do you want things to change? How can things become easier for you? Another one I mentioned and a little trick that we have is sandwiching clients. And again, like Scott mentioned, we're not doing the same volume we used to be doing. But if you look at your day and you're like, oh my God, Wednesday, we have this dog and then this dog and then this person. And it's just like this day that like you really don't even want to wake up and have to deal with these people and these dogs back to back to back start to put the really difficult clients in between two clients that are a little bit easier and that you really enjoy and that you really get along with on a social level. Start to schedule yourself in such a way that's going to promote wellness and foster wellness throughout your day and not just make it one difficult case after another ordinary person after another, you know, super aggressive large breed dog.
1: When you said sandwich, I wasn't thinking that at all. Uh, I think about since I'm traveling to people's homes, I just think about locations and travel. So I have people on the North Shore of Mass. I definitely want to get two of them, three of them, ideally three of them on the same day, which is great because it's one trip down and then it's 10 minutes to each client. The thing that burns me out is if I have to have a client in Portland, Maine, and then one in Boston, like on the same day, it's like, why Why did I do this to myself? Yeah, How did I set this that. up? You know. Yeah.
0: And if we're going to Marblehead, we're going to Marblehead to see more than one person. I'm just going to say that right now. <clears> Marblehead <throat> is a very, very far distance, no matter where you live, especially when you live in Elliott, Maine. All right, let's get back to some more things that you can do personally for wellness and everything else. We've been at this for... Uh, You and I have been doing this together for 12 years. You've been doing this for over 20 years, like the things that promote wellness. So Scott mentioned the gym. That's a great one. Um, If fitness is your thing or just as a personal goal, that's a great thing. Have goals outside of the business. This is so important. And even the people that are really into dog training and everything else personally, they'll sometimes have their own personal dog training goals. You know, you might compete in protection or agility or something else. Sometimes even that is too much. It's just too much overlap to have dogs, 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 dicks from, you know, tr- classes in the morning still in your pocket. Now you're using them for your dog. Have some goals completely outside of dogs. So fitness is Scott's jam. He loves going to the gym. Hobbies. Hobbies are really important to explore. They do not have to be, again, dog training situations with your own dog. Scott likes to draw I like to do puzzles. Like, where are your hobbies? Go and seek these things that provide wellness for you that have nothing to do with dogs in any way, shape, or form, and do them regularly. Schedule them into your life for your own sanity.
1: Yeah, I have a couple of weed plants I'm growing right now. Yes, he does like growing plants. He does. (laughs) So it just it doesn't require a lot of effort, but it does require attention. If you ignore them, they're going to get eaten by bugs. They're you know they just need they need a daily once over. Yeah. That, that once over could take just a few minutes, but if you don't do it, things can go south real quick. Yeah. So it demands your attention. It's a meditative type thing. Yeah.
0: And Scott hasn't smoked personally for years now. We still have weed from two years ago when he grew, but he likes the activity of growing and trimming and all of these things. And that is the point that I was heading towards. I'm glad you brought up. There's a mindfulness aspect to that, you guys. If you do not have any sort of mindfulness practice within your own lives, please look into that. Please lean into that. I don't care if you just sit with your phone on airplane mode for a minute and a half a day, you're starting to get somewhere. When we meditate, it's not like we're levitating up to the sky and feeling all great and airy afterwards, but we do put into our schedules this quiet time, whether it's with dogs or without, there's quiet time where we're reflecting on our own lives and we're having a moment of mindfulness. We're tuning out the outside world, especially nowadays. Everything is just sensory, 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 start to tune out. We have mentioned floating before. We're huge fans of sensory deprivation tanks. We used to own one. We float sometimes. That's a good way to practice mindfulness. There's a lot of apps that you can look into. Meditative apps like Calm, EFT apps like the tapping solution I mentioned before. You can freaking go to online therapy. I don't care what it is, but make sure that you are giving yourself the support that you need. And it doesn't have to be this big high dollar bill, right? There's there's absolutely no cost of turning your phone on airplane mode and sitting for two minutes with your eyes closed. I don't care if you're buzzing the whole time. I don't care if you're just waiting for the alarm to go off the whole time. It is a start. I promise you it is a start and it will lead you into this mindfulness practice. Well, I'll
1: tell you something that's more fun than that. We have a fire pit and we like to get down and get a little fire going. I'll have a cigar, Jess will have a glass of wine and she'll do her word search and we'll just hang out there for an hour and yeah. just kind of, and we'll have our dogs out there. They'll hang out with us and we just decompress for an hour, yeah. maybe two hours. It's, <laughs> when it's I said, nice. When
0: I said to Scott, I'm like, what are you going to tell people to do? He goes, I think I'm going to tell people to uh, start, smoking start smoking cigars. cigars. That was going to be his big advice. But literally, yes, this moment of, you know, we don't have phones out by the fire pit. There's not some podcast going in the background, all of this other stuff. And why is it that there is so much burnout within dogs and within the industry and everything else? Dogs are difficult. Dogs are not bred as well as they used to be. Owners are not as equipped to own dogs as they used to be. The support is not as unanimous Animous as it used to be. Like it is a clusterfuck sometimes out there. We get it. We live it. And there's a lot of emotions that go with the dog, right? You have owners, you have kids, you have this whole family, and it's all centralized around, you know, the dog's freaking me out, the dog's stressing me out. So there is more of a prevalence of burnout within these dog related industries than some other industries. And That's fine to recognize if you're not already involved in the industries, maybe don't jump right in because it's not just playing with puppies, I can promise you, but you need to have tools and you need to have certain ways that you live your life and that you're navigating your life so you can tolerate it and you can enjoy it. And I would say really right now in our lives, we're pretty grateful for what we do and we feel pretty darn good about what we do and we're pretty happy to wake up every day and be dog trainers. I've
1: been doing it for a long time. I don't see myself getting out of it for a long time, if ever. Uh, but it's an emotional business and whenever there's an emotion you're involved in an emotional business it can be taxing and people love their dogs dogs are emotional creatures we want the dog to feel we feel like crap when we have a dog in that has a lot of fear that doesn't want to eat is just totally depressed looking if you know just they're bummed out and we want to get them out of their shell we want to get them feeling good about themselves We're trying to get some training into them, yes, but we want them to be
0: emotionally stable. Just feel good. You don't even have to be happy.
1: Just (laughs) exist calmly, and and don't be like don't
0: be crazy. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I mean they don't want to take a treat, you know. And it's a bummer, and, and we got to work them through all this stuff. And sometimes it gets better before it gets it gets worse before it gets better. But having done it for so long, that doesn't even cause a huge amount of stress, except that. You know, one thing we did a couple of years back is we agreed to no longer take dogs with human aggression. Where I used to take, if I could handle your dog, I didn't care. So unless there were children in the house, if that dog had bit the mailman and, and had some some bites and a bite history, if I could get my hands on the leash and I could work the dog effectively, I'd say, listen, I'll take the dog and work him. I don't know how it's going to hap- how it's going to look on the other end, but I would take him. But one thing I wasn't considering. Is that Jess has to handle that same dog when I'm out doing a client somewhere else? And we had some dogs where it was touchy, where Jess uh, almost got bit pretty good a, a couple of occasions. And we agreed we're no longer going to take those dogs. It's not worth her getting hurt. <laughs> I wouldn't hurt. say that's
0: a hard rule because we still do train human aggressive dogs, but we 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 are on the same page about yeah, the dogs we I take mean, into our home.
1: Uh, I yeah, I mean we I did take a a dog. You know, it's a case-by-case case basis, but there are some dogs that they're, they're tough. Yeah, And, uh, and we have
0: no problem saying no at this point, and we don't have to be the heroes. If someone else wants to jump up and be the hero, and I guess that's the thing. If your ego is intersecting into this industry in any way, shape, or form that no one else was able to do it, I'm going to step up and I'm going to be the one to do it that's a big red flag that you're going to be experiencing burnout (laughs) and you're not in this for the long haul. So be very conscientious of where your headspace is coming from and where your motive is coming from. Our motive is always pretty coming from a place of humility for the most part. And we're just like, we're here to help. We want to do the best we can for the dog and the owner. And lastly, if you do have some sort of, board and train business or, you know, this really hands-on kind of business where the dogs are coming, you know, into your circle. I will tell you guys, inviting the dogs in has been more beneficial to us than, you know, they're, you know, in a separate building in a barn with cameras or they're in a facility or something else. Having the dogs actually within our home, with us, with our energy, I think has been more fulfilling and more beneficial to the dogs. There are many times when I'm doing last call at night where I'll bring a dog into the bedroom. It's really fearful or it's a cute little puppy or whatever. And I'm like, you know, so-and-so wants to say goodnight to daddy. Like we're inviting those dogs into our family and we're making those dogs become a part of our own, you know, peaceful like unit or whatever you want to call it. And that has really helped at least for me in our headspace. And it's helped the dog's energy and it's helped the dogs acclimate. And it's just helped the whole thing be... More, um... I don't know, more cohesive rather than like, oh, we're going to go out, we're going to train now. And oh, finally, I'm done. And we just have our own dogs in the house. And our dogs deal with it. Our dogs are very well trained, and they can deal with that kind of energy too. But that for us has been very, (laughs) Scott's dogs are so-so, that for us has been very cathartic. And that has been a good point of wellness for us. And I'm not saying everyone should do that. I'm not saying, you know, get a bunch of dogs in your kitchen or your living room or your meditation room. But for us personally, the dogs being more in our circle has been more healing than pushing them out, I would say.
1: Yeah. And I will say just getting back to the aggression real quick if you as the trainer are the only person that can really work well with that dog how much are you really helping yeah because we can't take all of them we yeah. can't keep all the dogs yeah. and, and if you can if the dog can go in public and everywhere with you and it's it, on excellent behavior but then with the owners they just can't maintain the type of um, rigorous structure that the dog may need, it's It's not going to help. Yeah,
0: no, that's totally true. So we we feel you. We've been there. If you are experiencing burnout in any way, shape, or form, please look for some resources and do not necessarily just go to other dog trainers because that's just going to be a lot of bitching. So try to find things that are going to help you, help your headspace, find fulfillment on a day-to-day basis, and be grateful. Overall, we are grateful for our clients, for what we've accomplished, for what we are going to be seeing in the future, and for the fact that we get to keep learning. So we hear you, we see you, we are proud of you, and we support you. Anything and, else?
1: Yeah, get yourself one of these pigs.
0: Because
1: <laughs> this will really help. Squeak
0: the pig. It's good for wellness. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. We will see you next week. Next week, we are supposed to have a couple of our very good friends coming in from New York. We're going to do a big live podcast all together. And in the meantime, keep it quirky. <laughs> Take care.